This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock climbing Libra, and loves rom coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey, everyone. I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-hosts and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 86 of the show, and I am pretty excited about today's guest because he is a guy I've been obsessed with since I was 18 years old. He's an amazing husband, a fantastic father to four kids, an entrepreneur, and an almost immediate expert in anything he tries or does. And he's also my husband of almost 19 years, Kyle. Hey, baby, welcome to Sorta Awesome. Thank you. Honestly, there were so many things that I could have asked you to come on Sorta Awesome to talk about. For example, for over a decade, you coached college football, and you're actually super great at explaining the X's and O's of football to anyone who wants to learn about it. You were a great coach, and now you're coaching people with their money as a managing member of a registered investment advisory firm, so you can talk about money pretty easily. You're a fantastic cook who really knows his way around the kitchen. But what I asked you to come on Sort of Awesome to talk about is something I think that can be a bit of a mystery to not only women in our culture, but to men too. You really know your stuff when it comes to how to dress comfortably with a classic style. Now, as you know, most of our awesomes, like 99% of our awesomes are women, but most every woman has a dude in her life, whether it's a husband, a boyfriend, a brother, a dad, a coworker, who might like to know just a little bit more about how to dress well. And that's what you're here to tell us all about today. And we're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to go ahead and start this show the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. And I know you have got a couple of things to talk about today. Yes. My personal Awesome of the Week is probably not that awesome to anyone else. It has to do with the completion of a project for business. And rather than bore everyone to death with the details of that, my second awesome is the Spotify playlist. Have a great day. Have a great day. We do love a Spotify playlist around here, don't we? Indeed. So what's awesome about this particular playlist? I've enjoyed it uh, because it's it's got quite a few songs from my era of growing up, but it has just enough modern music in it that I don't feel quite as old as I actually am. <laughs> 
It is a great playlist. And I've heard you listening to it so much in your office that I actually was like, I need to know what playlist this is. And I've started listening to it too. So it's a good one. So the have a great day playlist on Spotify, we will put a link in the show notes for anybody else who wants to check that playlist out. Okay. Well, my awesome of the week is something that is pretty unusual for me because it is a YouTube channel. Now, as you know, Kyle, I'm the, like the only person in our family who does not watch YouTube on the regular. Yes. You have your YouTube channels, your YouTubers that you like to follow. Certainly our girls who are almost 12 and nine, my gosh, they have, that's all they watch essentially when they're watching TV. Right. Even the twins have a couple of YouTube channels. They love to watch that channel, The Brick Show, where the guy is just like putting together Lego sets and showing off Lego minifigures. They're kind of obsessed with that channel. Right. To the point of violence when they're interrupted. (laughs) It's true. It's true. They get pretty obsessive about it. So... Anyway, this is unusual because I actually really don't watch very much YouTube myself. But in order to kind of have a way to connect with our daughter, Daisy, our oldest, I have been sitting down with her um, every now and again and watching this YouTube channel called The Odd Ones Out. So The Odd Ones Out is run by a guy who is a web, uh, web comic illustrator. Is that what you would call it? He, he creates web comics is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what his official title is, but he creates web comics. And so he started doing this YouTube channel and what he does is essentially tell stories from his life that he then has illustrated with his comics that he creates on his computer. And he is really funny in that super dry, understated sense of humor kind of way. And I know that's really your sense of humor. And Daisy has definitely gotten that from you. She <laughs> thinks this guy is hilarious. In fact, sometimes she'll just be, I don't know, sitting around staring off into space and she'll start giggling about something. And I'll be like, what are you laughing about? And she'll be like, oh, the odd one's out, told this story. And she'll tell this whole elaborate story from his channel. So I've been sitting down every now and again and watching some of the videos. What I really like about the odd ones out is um, he is funny um, and also super clean, which is really getting to be a big challenge when it comes to YouTube channels for kids. So um, very funny, clean language being used. We got, we just really get to giggling about it. And the best thing too, is now that we've started watching these videos together, she and I kind of have these private jokes together. So uh, we have these little catchphrases that he uses and we can, you know, bounce those off of each other and just start laughing. One of my favorite ones is a more recent one of his. He told the story about um, he had to be a chaperone on a seventh grade field trip, which you can imagine. (laughs) You can imagine the comedic level just in that alone. And he kind of has this internal struggle about whether or not he should tell them that he has like over a million subscribers on YouTube, because of course that's like the currency that you deal with when it comes to middle schoolers today. Um, And so at first he kind of thinks that everyone's going to recognize him. Nobody, like literally nobody knows who he is. They don't recognize him by sight. 
So then the rest of the story is kind of him wrestling back and forth with whether or not he should tell any of the kids that he has a million subs on YouTube. So anyway, that's a great one to start with if you want to check it out yourself or check it out with your kids. We have really been loving that, and it's gotten me just a little bit closer to YouTube culture, although I'm totally not there yet. <laughs> so that's been a good one. Okay, so let's just go ahead and dig right into this topic. Like I said, I wanted to have you come on and talk about this because truly you are somebody who has done a ton of research on this. In fact, I don't know how much this will mean to you, but to the awesomes who are listening, they're going to want to know this. Personality-wise, you are an INTJ. Yes. And you are a type 5 on the Enneagram. Type 5 is known for being the investigator or the researcher. So with both of those typing systems, anybody who's listening knows that you're the kind of person who likes to really do a deep dive into whatever it is that you're interested in. This is true. And that's kind of how you taught yourself, really, all of these different concepts and philosophies and applications of how to dress, because you didn't really have somebody in your life who like sat you down and was like, okay, Kyle, here's, here's what men should know about getting dressed or whatever. Right. And if you, if you take a really honest, hard look around you, there's not just a whole lot of people doing it right anyway. So it does require some effort to find the right match of things. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit first about your history with clothes. I mean, this is something that women talk about pr probably pretty often, but you don't really ever hear a guy sit down and say, here's my history with knowing what to wear or with fashion or anything like that. So is this something that you've kind of always been into? You've always been aware of what you're wearing and what looks good, what doesn't, or is it something you kind of grew into? I feel like probably, at least in my what I can recall that it's always been something relatively important to me. Um, certainly not something that I would have put these words behind at the time, but as I look at it today, I feel like how you dress uh, really boils down to, to two major things. And for everybody, you know, each one will carry different weight, but number one, nobody wants to look like an idiot. True. And number two, how you dress conveys your respect to the people around you. Okay. Uh, so, you know, get either one of those wrong and, and you've got an awkward situation. Right. Which I don't particularly enjoy. <laughs> you have a pretty strong allergy to being awkward, don't yes. you? <laughs> so I can recall when I was in grade school, uh, my, my father and mother both grew up poor. My dad grew up in, in just destitute poverty. Um, so money was a big deal to them, even though by the time I came along, dad was doing quite well. Uh, it was always an eye towards not being wasteful. And I can remember in, uh, gosh, fifth or sixth grade, where, you know, that's roughly the point in time where clothing beyond, you know, having a Spider-Man t-shirt or whatever becomes something <laughs> of value. Right. Uh, I can remember starting to be aware of the things that I would like to wear. And I can remember... Then my folks looking at the price tags on those items and saying, well, if, you know, if you want us to buy your clothes, we'll buy this other thing, which was absolutely not cool or respectful to anyone, including myself. <laughs> and, uh, but if you want, you know, something beyond this price range, then you're going to need to pay for that yourself. And dad had made sure even at that nice young age that I understood how to work and earn money. So I guess the first time I can really remember 
going to the store uh, to buy my own clothes. I was in seventh grade, and I'd had my choice. Uh, I can't even remember. It was probably you know, the quadruple knee super denim pant jeans that were just horrific, uh, which I wasn't going to wear. I'd rather just not go to school. <laughs> so I was spending my personal hard-earned money to get Levi's. Oh, uh, yeah. Classic. And because it was my personal hard-earned money, uh, you know, in conjunction with not wanting to look like an idiot, I did, you know, put a lot of thought and, and effort towards deciding exactly what it was that I wanted to wear. And kind of the theme that carried through high school, which was appropriate for them, was jeans, tennis shoes, white t-shirt, and then typically uh, some type of pullover, uh, or not pullover, but button-down shirt that I wore over the top, buttoned or unbuttoned, depending on hot or cold, and that was my safe uniform that I knew was fine. That's right. In fact, as a side note, on our first date in February of 1996, over 20 years ago, you basically wore that exact thing. You had on jeans, right? Yes. And I know you had a white t-shirt and like a plaid mm-hmm. flannel, maybe? Exactly, yes. Button down. Of course, this was in the heart of the mid-90s. So not only did Kyle wear that on our first date, I also wore <laughs> that on our first date. I wore a pair of jeans. They were pretty high-waisted, but not in the way the cool girls wear high-waisted today. They were like high-waisted <laughs> yeah. with pleats, probably. <laughs> and I had on a sort of silky, mine was not flannel, a sort of silky plaid shirt that I had tucked in and I had a big Brighton belt with it. And uh, yes, so we were definitely like style icons of the mid nineties. <laughs> okay. Well, you mentioned having a uniform to wear. Now, when you were coaching, you certainly did have something along those lines because every day you could get up and wear like a t-shirt and workout pants and tennis shoes and be good to go. Well, not, not for the whole day. Uh, coaching, you're split. Half the day you're in the office, half the day you're working kids out. So in the mornings, uh, the, the standard accepted, respectable thing to wear was you know, khaki pants, some type of, of loafer, a, a casual shoe, and a three-button collared shirt. Uh, that was absolutely the uniform. It didn't matter if it was freezing outside or hotter than blazes. You, that's what you wore. And then when it came time for you know the afternoon, you were either in track pants or shorts, t-shirt or sweatshirt, and that was that was it. You know, along with you know these decisions, at least for men, along with these decisions of or, or deciding factors of not wanting to look like an idiot and wanting to respect the people around you, I think it's also pretty important from a guy's perspective that it's not a hassle. If it's a hassle, uh, yes, and you got to go in and make a lot of decisions, you lose interest quickly. Right. Right. Too many other things you know, going on. Guys are not typically uh, fantastic multitaskers. We, we're busy thinking about something else. We don't want to have to detract from that train of thought to fuss over clothing. That's such a good point. Now, when you left coaching and started a new career in the financial services industry, you not only had to think about like this huge life transition of leaving behind a career you'd been in and were totally comfortable in for over a decade to moving into a new career, but you had to think about a new way to dress yourself every day. Yes. We'd gone from khakis and three buttons to the requirement of a, a full suit every day. Uh, and that was something I was absolutely not familiar with. Uh, you know, growing up, I think 
there was a brief period where my dad had worn a suit daily to work. It didn't last long and beyond that, it was like, like probably most guys, uh, at least from the Midwest, it was weddings and funerals. That's right. That's right. And that kind of is what, if I recall correctly, kind of what inspired you to like really do this deep dive and dig into figuring out what it is that's going to like how to wear nice dress clothes to the office every day without looking or feeling like an idiot. Right. It was difficult, very important that it was done correctly because in that profession, uh, how you look is a big deal. You're asking people to trust you with their money, life savings, all that good stuff. And and you need to look the part. Uh, you come in looking like a hobo and you're probably not going to get a lot of sales. <laughs> all right. Well, you mentioned the fact that uh, most guys generally just keep a suit in the closet for special occasions. Certainly there are some guys who are in an industry or a field where they have to wear a suit every day, but for most guys, they keep one suit on hand to wear to weddings, funerals, or any other kind of formal occasion. I know you actually have some pretty big feelings or big thoughts, I suppose I should say, about what every man should know about having at least one suit in his closet. Sure. And and let me start off with, I think, a tremendous resource, something that helped me amazingly uh, through that transition, is a website called Ask Andy About Clothes. Oh, okay. The whole thing. Ask Andy About Clothes. Ask like, Andy dot com? About Clothes dot com. Okay. Yes. Okay. And he does a great job on there of detailing through both what would be considered true business dress, which is a suit, through business casual, and I think probably you know has even well beyond that to to true casual. And, uh, but he does a great job of talking about some of the fine details that are important to know from the perspective of how difficult it can truly be to go get the right item. You tell a guy, you know, go buy a suit. Well, that can mean a lot of things. And depending on where he goes to get it, he can walk out with something that is either not in style, period, uh, or that is so trendy that it will quickly be out of style, making that you know, that what he'd hoped to have been a one-time purchase to cover that need and get it out of the way, problematic in the future. So when it comes to suits, and I think this, this is true probably for women as well, it's definitively true for men through every style of dress, there are staple pieces okay. that are absolutely timeless. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. And if you buy that item, as long as it fits you and it's not stained, it will be appropriate to wear. To look at suits from that perspective... Okay, you want to go with a two-button, single-breasted notch lapel. And that's all of the wonderful terms that come into play if you're confused or you think your salesman may be just trying to make a sale. Okay. Or if he doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's that's a very standard men's suit that's been, I'm wanting to say even back to the 20s, uh -huh. uh, as far back as that, that that's been a standard maybe longer. And you want to go with navy as your first suit. If you feel like you need to go with charcoal as the second. Okay. Those are going to be, again, and you don't want patterns. You don't want pinstripes, all the cool thing. If you're going to wear a suit every day, hey, have at it. Go expand the wardrobe. But you should always have a navy, period, and secondarily, a charcoal gray. Okay. And those are the classic timeless colors that will get you through any season, most any occasion. Absolutely. Okay. And I know that also you you tend to see guys wearing suits that could have been great on them, except they forgot one key part of the suit buying process. Right. Tailoring. 
Tailoring is, is such a huge thing. You can get by with a lower quality suit if it's tailored to fit your body well. You know, most places are going to, to minimally do the, the, the sleeve okay. uh, to fit your arm length appropriately. Not that they'll do it right, because there's even some fine points about that. You should have shirt cuff showing and some things like that. Uh, but most places will do that. And then suit pants, trousers, they come unhemmed. Mm-hmm. Every, every pant will be tailored to fit the appropriate length of your leg. It should be cuffed. You can get away with uncuffed. That's Again, that's something that's going to ebb and flow with trend a little bit. Get a cuffed pant leg, and you should ask the tailor for anywhere between a half break and a full break. And if you don't know what that is, ask for a full break. That has to do with the length of the pant leg and how it lays over the shoe. You don't probably want to look like the guys in GQ magazine that have high-water pants on so you can see their fanciful striped socks. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's it's really hard. As with women's fashion, it's really hard to pull off the look that you find in the actual fashion magazines. Let me let me go just a little bit further. Those were the basics of tailoring. A truly good tailor that knows what they're doing, they're also going to do some things uh, to make sure that pants are going to fit both hips and waist, and the jacket is going to fit your torso appropriately. Okay. If you're, uh, if you're thicker up top, a little bit more muscular guy, you're going to have to have some things done to taper the sides a little bit, or it begins to look like you're wearing a trash bag. Oh, okay. We don't want that. If you're going to spend some big bucks on investing in a suit. Right. Yeah. Right. Make sure it fits. Get a good tailor. And, you know, every place is going to differ a little bit more often than not. Even just going to a place like Dillard's, you're probably going to be able to find a tailor that's able to do things appropriately. Here's a question I've often wondered about if if this is um, a legit scenario or not. You know, there's a sort of famous moment um, on the TV show Friends where they're talking about, I think it was Joey had a family tailor that he (laughs) would go and see forever and and thought that a certain amount of touchy-feely during the tailoring process was just normal. Let's, I would love to know the truth of that. How invasive is that tailoring appointment? That's a good question. (laughs) I think truly... It depends on what, if you're getting an off-the-rack suit, there's no reason for hands to be near your man business. Okay. <laughs> that, that should never occur. It's when you're getting a true a true tailored suit is literally everything about it is made to fit your body. And so they're going to have to get up and around things and measure stuff. Okay. So that, expect a little more there. But I, I doubt, I've, I've not yet gone the route to get a completely full tailored suit. I don't have the need for something of that quality yet. You're talking about like a custom tailor. Yes. Like it is built from scratch for your measurements right. type thing. Okay. Right. Yes. Multiple fittings, all that. Just, I would guess, probably not terribly different than uh, what goes on with a, a wedding dress. Which ah, yeah. Even that still, you know, off the rack a little bit, but there's right. a lot more attention to detail given. Right, right. Definitely. That makes sense. Okay. Now, we didn't want to spend a ton of time talking about suits, although I'm sure you could probably spend the rest of the hour because <laughs> you have a lot of thoughts on yeah. suits. But I know that just like for women, women like to have, there's like nine, like nine or 10 staple things right. that all of the magazines say you should have this in your closet. I don't know that men necessarily know what the staple things are they should have in their closet so that they have something less formal than a suit, but it's still like an ensemble that could, they, they could dress down for a very casual event, or they could dress up for something nicer. And I know you know what those components are. Help us 
know how to dress our men by building out a really versatile and also really comfortable ensemble. Sure. Everybody likes a top 10 list. I don't know if there's 10 of these. We'll pretend like there are. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and versatility is a big deal. And then part of the reason why that's a big deal is because if you're going to buy quality things, which you absolutely should, you're going to have to spend a little bit of money to do that. Uh, it's going to make, especially for these type of, of of items, it's going to make a huge difference in how it feels. If you feel terrible when you're wearing something because it's poor material, it doesn't fit right, it doesn't wear well over time, then you've kind of defeated the point whether you look like an idiot or not, you feel like one. And uh, if, it, if it's ill-fitting, again, you know, bad looking stuff, then you're not really respecting the people around you either. So you kind of wasted in all accounts. So be willing to spend a little bit of money. The, uh, the first item that every guy should have and probably for guys who don't feel like they're ever going to need a suit, really, this is a critical item. You need a navy blazer. A blazer? Yes. Okay. And there's a difference between a blazer and a suit jacket and a sport coat. And they're all jackets. Okay. But each one is a little bit different. The suit coat is going to be the most highly tailored, uh, the most form-fitting of things. The blazer is going to be a little bit more relaxed in the fit allowing you, theoretically, uh, it fits, you know, what activities might take place. You're liable to be a little bit more active in a blazer than you would be a suit, okay. a little bit more active in a suit coat than you would, or I'm sorry, in a sport coat than you would be in a blazer. I think this is the the old histor historical thought processes that come into play. But it's going to be a little bit more relaxed, probably still needs to be the same quality of material that the suit jacket. So again, you want a two-button single-breasted notch lapel navy blazer and most of the time uh and i guess this is starting to change a little bit historically those have had brass buttons on them and more often now you'll see some that don't they'll have brown or black button or something like that that's really not that big a deal one way or the other but it is like i said it is going to be a little bit more relaxed fit should be comfortable should be decent quality and i would guess you'll probably end up spending somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 to $350 for that nice jacket tailored to fit you appropriately. Okay. okay. With that, then you want to go with two different shirts, both white. Again, we're looking at staple pieces that are versatile. You don't have to worry that, you know, polka dots went out of fashion or whatever the case may be. So you want to go with uh, a dress shirt. And I'll give some store names and brands and, and things to look for. Not that I'm advocating and saying this was the only way. It's that these are good options if you don't know where else to look, what else to do. So go to Dillard's, uh, look at the Roundtree and York Gold Label dress shirt. Okay, good. That's a good start. That's going to be a pinpoint is the weave of the material. And you want either a point or a spread collar. Okay. And that's really going to come down to comfort. It's there's a lot of things aesthetically that have gone into that thought process over time. These are not new things, trendy things. Um, simplistically, though, whichever one feels more comfortable on your neck is going to be the one to go with. And very naturally, if you have a short, fat neck like me, then a spread collar is going to feel better. You don't have the higher edges digging into your neck. Okay, into your neck meat. <laughs> into your neck meats. But if you have a, a longer, more slender neck, then a point collar is, is going to be fine. And it's also... It helps kind of, again, just the, the image of how everything comes together. You put a spread collar on a guy with a long, skinny neck, and it, it looks a little off. Okay, that makes sense. It, now, is this something that you can just, like, try, 
Would you try these on in the store to figure out if... You have them measure you, and they're going to measure two things. They're going to measure the circumference of your neck, and they're going to measure the length of your arm. And then these will be, once you have those numbers, that is what you grab from the rack. So if you have a 17-inch neck and a 34-inch arm, then by golly, there's a section of 1734s over there, and that's... I would still try it on okay, to make sure because everybody's cut a shirty and these are off the rack items. They're made to fit no one technically. Right. Um, so try it on because some makers, things will more naturally fit your shoulders well or your neck well than another. Uh, try on a few, but you, you want to look to see if there's weird puckering or wrinkling or if it just really feels awkward. Yeah. Uh, so this is a dress shirt and this is noticeable by the look and feel of the material. It is, it's a higher thread count. And just like if you're buying sheets or whatever else, the higher thread count, typically the higher quality, the softer to touch, uh, more comfortable that thing is going to be. Shouldn't be uncomfortable to wear a collared shirt and a tie. If it is, then you probably have the wrong size. Okay. It can feel a little awkward when you're not used to it, but it shouldn't be uncomfortable and painful. You shouldn't have to turn like Frankenstein to look places. (laughs) Your neck should work. All right. So it's got to pass the Frankenstein test. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Now, secondarily, uh, you want to go with an Oxford cloth button-down. This shirt's been around forever. Guys that are nerdy into all this actually even know it by the OCBD name. Oh. Oxford cloth button-down. Oh, my gosh. Like, it has its own, like, abbreviated, abbreviated initial. Abbreviated name, cult following, all of the above. It's it's a big deal. The OCBD. Yes. Okay. You can actually, uh, like I said, these have been around forever. You can see pictures of, you know, JFK this is a more relaxed shirt. You see uh, pictures of him wearing this with khaki shorts at the beach. And, and his sleeves are rolled up right, and right, the right. top button. Yeah, okay, okay. I totally know what you're talking about. The The name is descriptive of what it is. Oxford cloth is the material. And it is, uh, it's a lower thread count than would be the pinpoint. It's a more coarse looking and feeling weak, but it's, it's not abrasive or uncomfortable. It's just a more relaxed, movable shirt. Uh, it's going to naturally wrinkle more quickly and all that, but not look odd doing so. Gotcha. Button down has to do with the collar. Now it's a button down shirt in terms of you have a placard with buttons all the way down the front, but the collar is what they're referring to when they say button down. Okay. And so the points of each collar have a buttonhole that attaches to the shirt, kind of helps hold some shape a little bit. Right. Okay. And so like with a dress shirt, there is no buttons. No. Usually you have your collar stays that kind of help it stay in, stay in place right. as the name right. suggests. Okay. Now you'll see things done. It doesn't mean it's right. You'll see things done. You will see guys wearing suits with a pinpoint weave that has a button-down collar, and they'll have a tie on underneath it. And, yeah, you can get away with that. But it's not really, it's not truly a dress shirt. It's a relaxed shirt, so it shouldn't be with a suit. If you're going to wear a tie with your blazer, you want the dress shirt. That's why you got it. Okay. If you're not going to wear a tie, you can either wear the dress shirt unbuttoned or if it's a slightly more casual event. Uh, not full on, you know, casual, it's just a little bit more casual event. You go with the Oxford cloth button down. Oh my gosh. I never knew that there was such a precise difference between these two kinds of shirts for guys. You and most men. <laughs> okay. Does that cover us in the shirt department? Then? It does. And okay. if you want to grab a tie to you know go with your, your dress shirt, just get something very standard and basic. Get a solid color, get a red or a blue and be done with it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we've, we've covered the top half. What do we need? What do we need to know for 
looking smart, feeling comfortable, being appropriate in the bottom half. Yes. And and this is where things get interesting in terms of size. Okay. You can get a little bit of ego come into play with the jacket size because every guy wants to have a big barrel chest. Uh-huh. Pants are a big deal. Uh, guys, you know, well, I wore 29 in high school and I still do. And it's not really how it works. Uh, you buy clothes to fit you, not, not a number that sounds cool. Okay. So you'll have to swallow your pride a little bit because for a pair of trousers, which is what would go with dress pants, but that you could also wear with a blazer. You need a bigger waist size than probably what you're used to wearing. Don't, don't let your ego make you look like an idiot. Okay. That's actually, that's good life advice right there. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let your ego make you look like an idiot, especially when you are in the department store or wherever buying your trousers. Yes. Okay. Yes. You'll, it, it will create, you'll never wear them. You'll hate them. They'll they'll feel bad. You'll look dumb. All those things. So again, have have the person at the department store or wherever you've gone actually measure your waist. They don't have a problem with your ego. They're going to put you in the size of waist that you need. They're also going to look. Uh, I have a larger rump than oh, what the off the, off the rack <laughs> stuff typically is. Uh, so I had a, I had to really swallow my pride and get a huge to me waist measurement so that it fit my hips appropriately. And then they tailored in the waist so that I didn't look like I was standing in a bucket. Okay. All right. But you want to go with a charcoal gray trouser. (laughs) Nothing, nothing else. You don't want, again, you don't want stripes. You don't want a herringbone. You don't want anything else. We're talking about the staple pieces that are going to be versatile that aren't going to go out of style. Right. So you get those Things to fit appropriately. Um, you you can either go with a pleated front or a flat front. Either one. Uh, flat front probably has the longest history mm-hmm. in terms of what's been appropriate. But at this point, the pleated fronts are absolutely fine. Don't live under the idea that, oh, you have to have pleats because you'll have more room. It really doesn't make any difference. It's uh, really just a matter of preference It's and a taste. matter of preference. It's a matter okay. of how it looks. Okay. Now, all trousers, true trousers, are going to be half-lined. Okay. Which is interesting. Uh, and I can remember the first time I tried a pair on, and I thought, where have these been all my life? It, ah. It's a different experience. Uh-huh. The, the quote-unquote nice pants that my parents had bought me growing up were not lined, and it was a it was a kind of a bindy, uh, crawly, weird experience to have yes. those on, yeah. uh, especially in a warmer area. The lining in the pants goes down to the knees. Half of the pant is lined, and it's it's in the front. It's uh, almost a silk type material, and it allows the pant then to glide over that rather than catching on your leg again, which is especially noticeable if you have a little bit of perspiration. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, incredibly, incredibly big difference makes them much more comfortable. Uh, again, just like suit pants, these are going to come unhemmed. So you want to get it, you want to get a full break, you want to get a cuff. These are the standard things that will be good. Okay. So that is your trouser. Now you can wear trouser, jacket, dress shirt. You can wear tie, no tie. You can wear, you probably get away with the Oxford cloth button down with the trouser in the, in the blazer. Uh, it's, it's a versatile piece there. Okay. The second pair of pants you need are a pair of dark indigo navy whatever you want to call them blue jeans yes definitely and they need to fit not the 29 inch waist you had in high school you need to get a pair that (laughs) actually fits okay Okay. Uh, i'm not a big fan of extra 
it's goofiness to me to see some of the pants out there. Now, some of the jeans out there that have the intricate thing sewn into the back pocket and it looks like somebody vomited a rainbow, just get a pair of Levi's. Okay. You don't have to go nuts with this. Just get a pair of Levi's that fit. And interestingly, and I would wager that probably most men aren't even aware of this, is that your body is going to be different than most other people's uh, to some degree. And Levi's has a million different models and styles and things where you can get a lower waist, a normal waist. I suppose you probably get a high waist if you kind of dig that feel. I don't know. Um, but a, a lot to do with as well how much room you're going to naturally have in that cut of pant, in the hips and the thighs. Um, I wouldn't go with skinny jeans, probably because of the era I grew up in. I don't think anyone looks good in those anyway. Just get a standard pair. Of, you also don't want bell bottoms. Get a standard pair of jeans that are... Yeah. And so that might require some trying on, particularly if you go in, you know, let's just say you're just shopping Levi's and there's all the numbers and all the fits. So you may have to invest some time on the front end, but generally speaking, once you have like your number in Levi's, you kind of know. Right. You don't ever have to try them on again. Right. And Levi's website actually does a really good job of going through each style and talking about the fit. Yeah. This is relaxed in the hip or low waist or low ride or whatever their fanciful terms are. Uh, but they give a good description so that once you've begun to identify, you know, if you know, hey, I'm I'm a little thicker in the in the legs or in the, the hind end, then you'll know, well, okay, that rules out these 15 styles over here. You can begin to hone in and figure out exactly what you want. Additionally on the pants, again, navy, not distressed. You want that dark blue, even raw denim is awesome. You don't want distressing. You don't want crazy colors. Just get the plain pair of well-fitting jeans. And you might even need to get the leg length tailored if you're halfway in between two. That should cover you on the on the pants. Okay. So at this point, when you're putting together your classic go-to outfit that's never going to fail you, you've got your either uh, blazer or sports jacket. You've got your dress shirt and your OCBD, your Oxford cloth button down. You've got a pair of dress trousers and a pair of nice jeans. So that kind of leaves us with the accessories, which are not to be neglected because this can kind of make or break if you've put your whole outfit together. Women, of course... No, we spend a lot of time thinking about our shoes, our bags that we're carrying, those types of things. For men, what do they need to know for finishing off their outfit? Shoes are a critical piece. Not even those still aren't accessory. That's a critical piece of it, and it has to fit the general mood of what you're doing. Um, Alan Edmonds is an excellent website to look at to kind of get a visual of of what I'm going to talk about here. Uh, And I do love their shoes. They're an American company. So if that's a big deal to you, then you've got that going for you as well. But there's there's really, you need, just like with the the pants, just like with the shirts, you need two different shoes. You need one that is truly a dress shoe. So look at, on their website, you want to look at the Park Avenue, which is a cap toe Oxford style shoe. That's a shoe that will take a polish, needs to be polished, but it will take a high polish. It will look very nice. That's oh, a great shoe. Again, now, shoes and, and, and blazers, you're going to have to spend money or 
you're going to be tremendously uncomfortable. These things make the biggest impact. Um, so shoes and blazers right. are the biggest um, investment in terms of money yes. right now. Now I know yes. you wouldn't use the word investment because <laughs> right. <There's>, yeah. right. <laughs> but yes. in terms of like the price the, tag right. is maybe the most sticker shock for yes. those yes. items. And you're going to probably pay if you catch them on sale. You might get a pair of Allen Edmonds in the two fifty range. Okay. Uh, normal, I think they're three fifty, three seventy five, and it hurts to write that check or swipe your card. Nobody writes a check anymore, do they? Swipe that card for that purchase. I know, but you'll have them for years. It is a forever shoe. Yeah. It is a forever shoe. I do know a guy, uh, now he may be a little bit on the penny-pinching side, but I do know a guy that has a pair of Allen Edmonds shoes that are older than I am. Holy Moses. Wow. Protecting the innocent. I won't share his name, but you know him. Okay. So so through the years, though, has he had to have them, like, resold? or Occasionally. Probably, okay. Depending if they're, you know, if it's something you're wearing every day. It's a leather-soled shoe. So if it's something you're wearing every day, then, yeah, more often, uh, probably every year, year and a half, you'd have to. If it's something you're wearing a few times a week, you can probably make it three to five years. Okay. And that's that company is going to offer resoling. They'll also, you know spruce up the leather a little bit they they do a good reconditioning job as they do that okay but yeah you wear those things forever okay there's actually there's actually a pretty legitimate market uh, or there was at one time on ebay for used pairs wow someone would pass away and their kids would sell and actually make pretty good money on those nice dress shoes whether they were allen edmonds or alden's or whatever you know whatever nice brand out there good to know so yeah you want to look at uh the cap toe Oxford, you can also look at a plain toe Oxford, and I think their style name on that one is the Carlisle. Um, both of those are tremendously versatile. You could actually get away with them with jeans or with the trousers or with a suit. You got to take care of them. You got to polish them occasionally. Secondarily, you want to go with something that is a little bit more relaxed. Uh, the two that I've liked the most out of you know, what Edmund, Alan Edmonds is going to have to show you online. Uh, there's a model called the Shelton, which is a traditional saddle shoe. If you don't know that, what that is, when you see it on there, you'll know, oh, yeah, okay, I know what that is. Um, it's a little bit, it's, an, it's another you know, high-polished shoe, but it's a more casual, relaxed shoe. Um, I've even seen pictures from 60s, 70s of guys pulling those off with shorts and no socks. <laughs> It's doable. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm going to try my very hardest to find a picture of that myself. <laughs> now, probably what most guys are going to, if it's not a guy that's you know normally dressing up and this is uh, wants something more casual, uh, the Strand Mock, which is it's a cap toe, but it's a it's a rougher leather finish, so it's not a high polish. You still need to treat the leather and take care of it. It's also going to have a synthetic sole on it that theoretically is going to last as long as the shoe will. Yeah. Um, but that's an awesome shoe. I've got that one. I get all kinds of compliments on those, okay. um, which is a little awkward. I don't really like people checking me out. <laughs> great shoe. Now, with the shoe, with each pair of shoes, and every time you buy a new pair of shoes, if not more often, you need to get a new belt that goes with that specific pair of shoes. Okay, so for men with these uh, with the with the shoe and belt decision, you want it to be like matchy matchy. Yes. Okay. You, you want the same finish. So if it's a high polish pair of shoes, you want a very smooth grain belt, uh, simple, no design, no weave, no blah blah blah. Just 
plain old simple belt. Okay. With a more casual shoe, again, you want to match the color. You want to match the texture. So the strand mock, a rougher thing, now you can get away with either just a, a belt of the same leather, more or less, or that's where something that has a weave on it or some of that's more acceptable because it's a casual belt. Okay. That, you know, those things are all very interchangeable. That's that's really all kinds of outfits. Uh, you can wear the Oxford cloth button down. You can take the jacket off, roll the sleeves up. You can do that with trousers or with pants. With the pants, you can have the dress shoes or the casual shoes. There's a lot of different ways you can go with it. I completely forgot to mention this earlier. Okay. And it's probably more important than everything I went through on the shoe choice for at least people who reside in the same area of the nation that we do. Okay. You can skip the dress shoes for the most part if if your guy is a boot wearer. Uh, <laughs> that's so true. If you have a nice pair of, of high polish, you know, boots, you can even get away with a rougher, you know, like a, a ostrich boot, things like that, but those can replace that. Again, have the belt that matches. Yeah, I never would have thought of that, but that is absolutely true. So I apologize. I meant to get that in earlier and just slipped my mind. All right. We've talked about this whole ensemble, but it's really not complete unless you're feeling good with what you're wearing for your underpinnings. Yes, the underpinnings, the unmentionables. <laughs> the unmentionables. But this is an important part of feeling good, too. Now, right. other people may not, may or may not know what you are wearing under your clothes, <laughs> but you know, and in order to feel really good, it's important to think about these decisions, too. I know that you are not one of these guys who will hang on to the same T-shirts until they are, like, falling apart and threadbare. It's really important to you to keep your T-shirt collection fresh. Right. And you have... This, this isn't a forever thing about me, though. Yeah. I, I spent That's a lot of true. years, like most men, you know, where your T-shirt looks worse than the dust rag. And, <laughs> yes. You know, underwear is horrendous. Uh that's that's been a recent discovery. It was it was as I transitioned into the financial services industry, wearing the nicer clothes. It, you have to appreciate again what was the initial purpose for items. Well, the the original purpose for undergarments was to protect your outer garments in a less climate controlled environment that used to be, so that you didn't sweat and soil and ruin. Yeah. So your basically, nice yeah, like to. Protect your clothes from your body, essentially. Right. 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 <laughs> okay. Now, understanding that function, and then it does ride between you and the nice clothes that you just spent more money than you're used to spending to take care of, you know, to buy. And if you've bought, no, you know, no offense against, I won't name a brand, but if you're buying your undergarments from whatever big box store down the street, You've just separated those really nice clothes from your body with some of the worst feeling, worst wearing stuff that loses its elasticity. And so even though you might look okay, you you don't feel great underneath there after a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you can go one of two routes. You can either spend a little bit more and get a, just a little bit better quality. I mean, your, your traditional undershirt from one of those places is not even, it's not the same quality as your Guns N' Roses t-shirt that you wear. It's so true. They're so scratchy and just almost unbearable, I would think. So you can either, if you're going to go that route, you can either wear those and just throw them away about every two months and buy all new, 
or better, buy something a little bit nicer and wear it longer. But there still comes a time when things need to be retired. Now, you like the Calvin Klein brand of undershirt, right? I do, but it's it's not like that's a, a high, truly a higher ticket item that's going to last a lot longer. Okay. Uh, maybe two months. If, if it's something I'm wearing, you know, every day underneath a, a button-down shirt, then about two months, and it probably needs to go on. It's not tremendously durable, but it starts out feeling a little better than some okay. other stuff. So if you're not buying your undergarments from the big box, are you buying them at a department store? I mean, what are we talking? Where do you actually source these things? Like the like the blue jeans. Once you found something you like, then feel free to Amazon it up. Ah, okay. Go that route or yes. whatever online purchasing thing is cool to you. Gotcha. Um, I'm... I still have enough penny pincher in me that I'll run down to Ross mm-hmm. and I'll find the Calvin Klein's on sale for cheaper than wherever. And that way I've kind of satisfied both ends. I've, I've not right. spent as much money and I've got something that'll last a little bit longer than a, a normal, terrible t-shirt. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. And so that leaves finally the most unmentionable of all. Well, there's two. Let's, let's save that one for last. Socks. Oh, socks. Yes. I was just going straight to the underwear, but yeah, right. so let's well, do talk about know socks. where your mind is. <laughs> With socks, your your sock basically needs to be thought of as an extension of whatever pants you're wearing. It should be almost exactly the same shade of color. Oh, okay. Or a hair lighter. So if I'm wearing a charcoal pant, then I'm going to either have a charcoal or just a little bit lighter gray sock. Okay. What if you're wearing your dark denim jeans? Then I should have a navy sock. Okay. Okay. With the more casual, if you know, if you're into expressing your individuality through the use of fanciful socks, with the more casual look, you can go get your argyles and polka dots and superheroes and all that other stuff. Yes. Uh, just know that anytime you sit down, Across your legs, those things are going to be visible. Right. You catch yourself. If truly your intention is to not look like an idiot and to show respect to people around you, then you have to be, you know, a little bit wary of where you might show up wearing your <laughs> your dandies. Okay. All right. Finally, then underwear. Underwear. Yes. yes, it's such a highly personal thing. But what are just like what are some guidelines? This is tough. I feel like there's two kinds of guys in this world: those who are still searching. For the perfect pair of underwear and those who have just surrendered. (laughs) Surrendered to never finding them or to not wearing any at all? Well, now that's an option as well. (laughs) But you're not protecting your clothing that you just purchased from your own body in that instance. (laughs) It's probably as far as we need to go on that. Yes. Oh, I think every every guy in the world grew up wearing tidy whities. Uh And if you... Grew up through the 80s, then at some point in time, you wore silk boxers. Yes. Because you had to do that. That's right. Which truly, is as strong of a material as silk is, it, it could be somewhat of a vicious bear trap on you. I have to tell you, right now, I'm having a memory that I have not thought about in a long time. When I was in high school, I bought one of my high school boyfriends as a as a gift, like a Valentine's Day gift, silk boxers. Right. That seems highly inappropriate now. And if one of our daughters did that, I would be a little alarmed. But yeah, yes, I do remember the era of the silk boxers. Yes. So again, you you get older, whether or not you're more intelligent or you've just run through the list of things to try. I think probably a, a large number of guys who you know don't have supermodel bodies that they're looking for the opportunity to drop trowel to show their 
hot buns or whatever. <laughs> most most guys are not going to be wearing bikini briefs. Most guys are probably going to end up with the boxer brief, which is going to have a similar fit to what they grew up with. That little bit of a tidy whitey feel, but it actually has, you know, a, a quarter, half, three quarter leg, you know, thigh length leg mm-hmm. on it. Um, and man, it's a difficult battle. Material choice with these is far more important than you might originally imagine. Uh, and it's probably going to require, like some of these other items, that you spend a little bit more money or you just end up with something where you've got a huge ball of material in a place where it shouldn't be. <laughs> and it's it's not a good thing. Right. Um, honestly, that was one of the problems I had with boxers as well. Uh, now, you go with a little bit higher quality material, and my word, they've turned it into a science fair. Yes. More. You know, now they have the... You know, what, this is a bamboo fabric that pulls the things with stuff. and It's all very high tech. It is. It's overwhelming. Yes. So it's a trial and error thing. You grab, you know, a few different brands, a few different styles of material, a few different cuts, and just begin to see, you know, maybe your, maybe your nirvana is just something that's not uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I doubt anybody's going to find the thing that changes their life, but they should at least find something that doesn't detract from it. I mean, there's a business opportunity right there for someone to develop the underwear that changes your life. This is true. I think a few have tried. Yeah. 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 Um, any closing thoughts you already, I know that a huge resource for you was, uh, askandyaboutclothes.com. Yes. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Any other closing thoughts or resources? Or- two, two things, another resource. And unfortunately I didn't find this until I'd already begun to have a pretty good handle on what I wanted to get done. Uh, but the art of manliness. Oh, yeah. I'm wanting to say he's an Oklahoman. Mm-hmm. I believe he's an OU grad. That, that may turn some people off immediately. <laughs> uh, I believe he's in the Tulsa area now. But he does a really good job. And he does a, he does a lot far beyond even just clothing. He's, he's an interesting person to follow. He has both a website and a podcast. Isn't Podcasts, that right? okay. yeah. Um, all kinds of interesting things. Okay. So art leisure of read, if nothing else. Okay. Um, accessories, true accessories. And, and I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty plain and boring guy. Um, you know, I wear my wedding ring. Uh, I have my deceased father's wedding ring that I'll wear occasionally as well. I don't wear a watch true. anymore. Right. And it's not because I don't like watches. I love watches. Uh, it's because one, I'm hard on them. I beat them half to death. But two, if you're going to do things right, again, this perspective of don't look like an idiot and respect people around you, you need to watch appropriate for what it is you're going to do. You can't put on, you know, the nicer business casual or business attire and be wearing the G-Shock or whatever tactical version of stuff. Okay. You need a, a dress watch for that. Mm-hmm. Likewise, if you're super casual, you... You'd kind of prefer the tactical whatever yeah. or, you know, diver's watch or, or whatever the case may be. And that I get exhausted with all that and I don't want to keep up with it. Not to, again, not to mention the fact that I will beat one half to death before I've even gotten my use out of it. But if you're going to wear a watch, wear an appropriate one. If you don't want to put forth the money, don't wear a watch when, you know, when it does the watch that you have doesn't fit the outfit that you're wearing. That makes sense. Um, Probably not as big a thing as it was in the 80s. Uh, gold chains visible in your manly chest hair smoking <laughs> out of the top of your shirt. Don't do all that. 
just very <laughs> understated, very simple. Make you know, make a statement with your personality and with who you are, not with your eccentric clothing choices. I have to ask you, I didn't prep you for this question, so who knows where it will go. Do you have any sort of style icons? You personally, your personal taste. I know you mentioned JFK being yeah. up on that list. Yeah. Any others that you kind of look to to kind of not necessarily copy what they did, but just be inspired by their style? There's a long, and, he, and he's a big one, especially for you know things that are not truly casual, casual. That guy was always tremendously well put together. Mm-hmm. Undoubtedly, someone dressed him and all sure. of that, but yeah, excellent resource. Um, Jason Statham. Oh, that's interesting. It is. And you'd, you'd be surprised how well he puts together the casual look and all of that. That's a great... Go Google images of it. Uh, good resource there. And I can't remember the actor's name. He's the star. He is Ray Donovan oh, on the series Ray Leif Donovan. Shriver? Yes. Okay. Very similar uh, in terms of style as to what I'm talking about with Statham. Those guys... Do it right. Again, they probably have paid someone to dress them so they look well, but those are good guides. Okay, good to know. Well, I'm so thankful, truly, for you to take an hour out of your very busy workday to come and sit down and talk about clothes with us. I know this is going to be helpful for so many of our awesomes who um, maybe are going to hand this off to a man in their life to listen to, maybe even to their teenage sons who are getting ready to, you know, leave the house and very valuable yeah. for, for that, especially some guys, some guys will just never care and that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I think for young men, especially guys that are, you know, Oh, I'm going to have job interviews at right. some point and things like that. I, I think those things are tremendously helpful. It is a mess to try to wade through and figure out the right things. And I think more often than not guys just end up missing the mark a little bit. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you taking us through this whole tutorial on how to dress our men. Now, uh, normally we close the show with talking about where to find our guests on social media. That's not really your thing. So if any of you are listening and have follow-up questions for Kyle about style, fashion, these types of things, after you listen to the episode, feel free to track me down on social media and I will get questions to him and we'll see if we can't help you. So if you have any follow-up questions that I can take to Kyle and we'll see if we can get them figured out for you, don't forget you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome.